Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, morning or afternoon or nighttime. I don't know what time it is for you. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Grace Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. This is our scripture study podcast where we go through a little chunk of scripture. We're following the Come Follow Me curriculum a bit at a time, and we're pointing out things that we think you don't want to miss and teaching tips and, uh, I don't know, ways to help make the scriptures come alive. So if it's your first time, welcome. If you've been here for five years, welcome. (laughs) They needed a a bigger one. They've been faithful. They've been here all along. We're super jazzed to jump into this lesson. You're already excited if you're watching on YouTube because you see the title of it is called Dear You Love Jesus. I told David we could just show that and then leave. Amen. Bye. Done. Um, The letters here that are going to be super cool. We're really, really excited about that. Okay. Are you ready for these three letters? Speaking of the Tippins, you'll want three for this week because you have one for First and Second Timothy, one for Titus, and one for Philemon or Philemon. We don't know how you want to pronounce that because people change. And um, you've got the background information on all these. What you want to know, you can read these on your own and become really, really smart. But basically, what we understand about what we know about Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, these letters are personal one-on-one letters that Paul sent. So we've seen in the New Testament so far that Paul has been sending letters to whole church groups, right? To um, the Colossians or to the Thessalonians or to the Romans, right? But these letters are to one individual person. And these are companions and close acquaintances with Paul personally. It makes you wonder if there were more out there that didn't get canonized that are letters that Paul has written. And the the vibe of these, the spirit of these letters is a really tenderhearted. It's it's almost as if a mentor is writing to his, I don't know what I don't is it a protege or whatever you're he actually calls most of them my son in the gospel. Like he's endeared to them in that way. And he's like, oh, we have we we were companions, and I was your mentor, and he's writing them and encouraging them. Um, I was just telling Grace before we jumped on that I saw this. Um, you know the guy who wrote The Fox and the Mole and the Horse, that really darling book? Um, he was giving a a little sermon that I watched give, and he talked about being stopped by a lady in his neighborhood, this older woman, who's um, – oh, she didn't stop him. He got home, and there was a letter. He has one of those mailboxes in the door where it's like a – it like um, opens up, you know, and it always makes us weak in movies, you know. Um, and there was a letter in his house and he opens up the letter and it's uh, from a woman in his uh, neighborhood. And it just says, uh, I, um, you smiled at me the other day and I just wanted to let you know how much that meant to me. I am really lonely and it's been a long time since somebody's uh, been so kind. And First of all, he read it and he thought, oh, no, now I have to smile at every person I pass because I'm not really sure who it was because they didn't sign their name or anything. But then he said this. He's like, I realize how fragile people are. And it makes me just think, like, oh, man, to the fact that that woman would write that letter, that a smile from a stranger meant so much to her 
reveals just how fragile the human heart can be and how hard life can be. And so to read these letters of Paul encouraging people, you know, in the ways that he does, it just, I think, encourages us to do the same as we read it. To be more encouraging and hopeful and um, to show faith in, in people, you will see that as the theme of these letters. And that's what we kind of want to look, look at as, can I live as a Paul? And if I wanted to, Let's learn from him some of the things that some of the things that he encourages and and builds hope and faith in 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 Timothy and Titus and Philemon or Philemon. And there's something so tender about this letter wasn't written to me individually, but almost when you read it, it feels like it is mm-hmm. because it was just written to one person that for real, when I was doing my personal study, I had this moment that I was like, oh, I could convince myself that Paul actually wrote this one for me. Yeah. And then sometimes in my heart, I'm like, oh, but maybe God did. You yeah. Know? Maybe is, it is just a little one-on-one letter. Right. It's really cool. So the first section we're going to look at is this idea of when you're encouraging people, one of the things you can encourage them in is to remind them of the gifts that they have and the strengths that they have. We are so hard on ourselves and this world can be so hard on us, but I think I'm 18 times harder on myself than other people. I was so moved by Elder Stevenson at the end of his talk in conference most recently, where he talked about um, being spiritually gifted. But then at the very, very end of that talk, he gave that, that emotional invitation to teenagers, especially. But the funny thing is, is it doesn't go away when you grow up, but um, to stand in the mirror and to remind yourself of certain things. And I think that's one of the things we can learn from these letters from Paul is to remind people of the gifts that they have. And we're going to look at these two different verses here. One of them is 1 Timothy chapter 4. And it's uh, um, Paul talking to, you know, Timothy, his companion. And he just said, um, starting in verse 14, he says this line, neglect not the gift that is in you. Now that's instruction. But it also implies that he does have a gift. And he said, it was given you by prophecy with the laying out of hands. And I love thinking about, oh, there are a couple different ways we can discover what our gifts are. And one is prophecy. One might be a patriarchal blessing. That's where I could discover. And he reminds him of some, or by the laying out of hands, that in a particular blessing that was given to you, maybe you were bestowed a gift. Or maybe a gift was made aware Um, And he says to him in verse 15, meditate upon these things and give yourself wholly unto them. Think about those gifts. Let that like sink into your mind and your heart, the gifts that you have. And give yourself over wholly to that gift. Embrace it. Start to to exercise that gift. Develop it. Like um, recognize that you have it and, and live out your life as if you have it. You know, there's just something really cool about that. Then if you look at this other set of verses over in 2 Timothy, um, another letter you probably could have figured out that Paul writes to Timothy sometime after the first one. Uh, He says this, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you. Unfeigned means just this genuine, unfaked faith that 
you have. It's just, you just, you have a heartbeat of faith. He just says, which dwelt first in your grandma, Lois, and in your mom, Eunice. And I'm persuaded it's in you also. How he seemed to inherit that gift of faith from his mom that and from his grandma. So, so sweet cute. to think about, you know. It's actually interesting. It makes me think about how many comments that we're getting from people, you know, where people are just like, oh, you remind me so much of your mom in the way that you teach, in the way that you see your, your scriptures. And I think that's something that happens, that we are passed down gifts of, in this case, gifts of faith. Like, I think there's a lot of people who say, like, why do you, where did you first learn to believe? And where did you first learn to love? Where did you first learn to be so hopeful? Where did you first learn to be so confident? And that's something that we can actually bestow a gift on somebody else if we're deliberate about that. And if we think about that, and I love that Paul is doing that here. He's like, oh, I remember when I first met your grandma. She was uh, she was uh, such a great woman of faith and, and your mom and, and you also. And then he says this, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. Thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, um, in that verse six. And that to me is an invitation to all of us. Stir up that gift in other people. Remind them of the gifts that, that they have. And uh, I think that's just one of the great ways that we can encourage. We need to put a little question, couple questions here. This might be good when you're teaching, maybe a journaling time on your own, or you can give other people that time, or maybe a chance for a discussion. Um, to let Maybe let people write, what's my gift? And who stirred it up in me? Like, who reminded me of that? The flip side of these questions are also true. You might, like, say, like, what, what's my husband's gift? What's my wife's gift? What are my kids' gifts? What's my friend's gift? What's that? You know, and how could I stir that up in them? That would be a great, I think, journaling thing for a day this week or in a lesson, give people time to just, like, let the spirit settle on them and, like, oh, yeah, I could do some good work. Stirring this, don't you love that phrase? Like that, stir that gift up in them, and that it's already there. It just might be at the bottom. Yeah, you know, like oh wait, I'm not like putting something in you. Yeah, Yeah. like I just got to get it back at the top. You know, yeah. And I okay, I just really thought of this, so now I have to find it. But the other day, I just watched a TED talk, and it was this guy that like gets up to the beginning at the beginning of his talk, and he's like, "How many of you can draw?" And like three people in the audience of like 500 raised their hand. And he's like, how many of you ever drawn before? And then everyone raises their hand. And he's like, listen, I'm going to show you that all of you can draw. Mm. You said you couldn't because you don't feel like you're good at drawing. But I'm going to remind you that you can draw. And he goes through and he like teaches you how to draw all these cartoon characters. It's the funnest TED Talk ever. All of cool. you need to watch it. Because <laughs> if you, like I just followed along and I like feel like I'm good at drawing now. But it makes me think like, wait a minute. I actually can draw. I know how to draw. I'm good at drawing. Like I've mm-hmm. done like somewhere along the way, my like insecurities got in the way and made me think that I couldn't draw. And I needed that man to stand up at his TED talk and remind me that I could draw. And now for real, like a kid, anytime I have a paper, I'm drawing those little doodles that he taught me how to draw on his TED talk. And in my head, I'm like, oh, that's like a mini version of this. Yeah. You know, let's link that. And the newsletter. Because that'd be such a good lesson. If you were so teaching good. a class, right. if you started with that, and then you had them answer this question, that'd be so just sure, be And then class. just show, look how this guy stirred up in you the fact that you could do this. Yeah. 
what can you stir up in somebody else? And then take some time to really think about it. And then this is probably a, a personal question that someone answered. Like he says, neglect not that gift in you, right? Mm-hmm. And just say, like, come back to that idea. Like we weren't made to play small. We were meant to shine. We were meant to reflect the glory and the goodness of God. So don't, it's, it was a gift. Like there's nothing about it. Like I'm by, by showing, by like using that gift, I'm not showing off. I'm showing the goodness and glory of God when I do it, you know? So this would be a really cool study for that. So one way that Paul encourages that we could do is to remind people of the gift that is in them. Okay. The next one is focused all about beliefs and believers. And, okay, I have to go to this part because I need all these verses. Yeah. And one thing that we were talking about even right when we were planning this lesson is how fascinating it is to realize that actually the way you believe shapes the way you live. Yeah. Like, there's just something correlated in that, that no matter what, you can see beliefs filtering into the way that you live. And Paul sees it too, and he actually shows it to you like pretty clearly and he starts kind of with this big cultural this big group of people that's very interesting and it starts in second timothy and it kind of makes this list and if you go to chapter three verses one through seven he's going to show you this list and it's interesting when you read it you can start seeing just verse two it just starts it's talking about the last days hard times are going to come men will love their own selves they'll be covetous boasters proud disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy. You go through all these seven verses and anywhere you look, it's this mess of people. It really, it just feels like a mess when you read it. And after that conversation, it just made me think like, oh, what do these people believe that are making them act like that? Mm. Because I think sometimes we just see the actions and we're like, yeah, that is a disaster. That's a mess. Not only when you read these verses, But you might be able to think about people that you've accidentally said that about. You're like, oh my goodness, they are a mess right now. This is a disaster. They're making such poor choices. And it makes me want to stop and be like, okay, what actually do these people believe that are making them think like that? That are making those actions like come to life? Because then all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait, actually, like what does someone believe that's going to make them disobey their parents? Because maybe we should start there. Yeah. At the core belief, Mm -hmm. you know, or all of a sudden you see someone that's unthankful. What does that person believe that's causing them to live the way that they're living? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And it goes in first Timothy. Now you have to go back and rewind. You see more because he lays it out a little bit deeper still in the first 12 verses of first Timothy chapter four as well that he's going to go through and he's going to say like, okay, there are going to be people that are speaking lies and hypocrisy having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. It's going to be people, he's going through all of these verses. And here, starting in verse three, you're going to notice stuff that might, I don't know, you might see in today's world, but it's pretty specific to Paul's where he's like, they had a, there were cultural beliefs like forbidding to marry, abstaining from meat, you know, and, and stuff like that. And I think it's, that was Paul's, but in our life, we have them too, right? Yeah. Like there is still, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, lies mm-hmm. that are cultural that we just like maybe inherited where you're just like, oh, I'm, I I didn't even know that like I inherited that particular cultural belief, but there's a lot of them out there. And I love that exercise like, of, like, wait, 
I act the way I do because of what I believe and just going backwards and saying like, what do I believe that's actually causing me to, to do this? Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Wrap, but... Well, because it's so easy to look at this list and be so frustrated with the outcome instead of looking at the root of the problem. Yeah. Which actually Paul does. Okay. So for example, that thing, were you going to go here? No, no, sorry no, no, to, no, no. Where he's just like, there was this idea in verse three about like abstaining from meat. You guys, we're not making commentary on like, and anything right now, we're just like, this is only <laughs> but he just says like this, he comes back and he's like, Oh, don't you remember in the creation that God asks us to be thankful for all things that every creature of God is good and not to be refused, but to be received by Thanksgiving. Like he comes back to and teaches them a new belief. That's going to hopefully lead to a new way of living. Yes. Right. Like I was thinking about that first lift, the, the list where it says they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It's like, okay, there's something in you. It's uh, loneliness or the lack of connection or there's something that you think this over here is going to satisfy your soul better than God is. Maybe you need a new belief about him. Maybe maybe someone should teach you something about him. And that would then lead to a different way of living. And it's cool because I feel like he even does it still once he starts talking about the life of a believer. Mm. Right? Because I'm going to do this backwards. Sorry, everyone. That's going to be confusing. But if you go to 1 Timothy 1, 15, all of a sudden he's going to show you the belief. And then at the end, like there will be like the action part. But it's interesting because he starts this letter with saying like, look at this belief. And all of a sudden it's this. It's 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15. I can't remember if I said that. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of who I am chief. And it just makes me want to stop and think, okay, we can look at all of these cultural beliefs and what led them to believe that. But if you want to live a different life than that list, maybe start looking at what you believe. And how could believing that Jesus came actually into a world for sinners change the way you act? Mm -hmm. That could be your belief. That could be your starting point. Or even right here, if you go to 1 Timothy 2, 4, when all of a sudden... Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? He actually came for everyone, the sinners, every single person that you could ever possibly imagine. That is Jesus's person. That's why he came. And it's interesting because if I believe this about myself, this middle one, that like, hey, that I can't disqualify myself from from the love and help of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. And I I would act differently. And if I believed about other people, I would treat them differently. Like, it's just interesting, like, the domino effect that would have. All of a sudden, you really can see. Yeah. Your belief could really change your life. Yeah. And then, if I feel like once you realize that and you see the beliefs that you can found your life on, I think it changes the meaning of First Timothy 4, specifically once you start getting into 12 and 13. Because all of a sudden, he's going to say, listen. Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And then all of a sudden it makes me want to stop and be like, wait, actually, if I believed something as good as the news that Jesus came for every single person, that no one is excluded, that he actually came to save, then I'm like, wait, I actually do want to change my conversations. Mm -hmm. I actually do want to change like my words and my spirit and my faith and my purity. I want to live different because that's something that could change lives. 
Yeah. That's, that's something I want to live by. It, I think this would be a, this is a really, really well-known verse. And I think sometimes when it said, be thou an example of the believers, that people just took that to mean like, oh, church people. But instead of like going one step further and saying, believer of what? Be an example of, the, of a believer of what? If somebody looks at what I say and what I do, my vibe, you know, my spirit, <laughs> you know, what would you say I believe? You know, if you, if you looked at my day, like, okay, I could tell you believe. By the way you're talking to them, I can tell you believe this. And I think mm-hmm. that's a neat conversation. They be that an example of the believers. Believers of what? What is it that I actually believe? Which would be so cool to just even have those two questions. What do you believe and how should you live with that belief? Yeah. You know, super just cool. like unpacking that because it is so cute that he just wants to go through. And he's like, listen, till I come back, give attention, give attendance. This is verse 13 to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, neglect, no gifts, all of that. It goes back to it. But I love that he's like, wait, actually, you can focus on that. You can study mm-hmm. that. You can lift each other up, you know, figure out what you believe. How are you going to live based on those beliefs, 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 <laughs> based on those beliefs? Because you can choose two different ways of living. You can live what the culture wants you to believe. Because everybody has to, everyone believes something. Yes. Right? Like mm-hmm. you, you, you actually, no one is going to be excused from believing something. Like we can't just say like, why well, I just don't believe anything. It's like, That's not true. Right? Yeah. Everyone believes something. The question is, what is it that you, we're all an example of our beliefs. So what is it? What beliefs? What, what do you want to believe about yourself? What do you want to believe about others? What do you want to believe about God? Yeah. What do you want to believe about potential? What do you want to believe about forgiveness? What do you want to believe about, you know? And how is that going to change the way you live? Right. And I love that that's what Paul wants to do in this letter is all of a sudden he's like, listen, you have got to keep believing and focus on these beliefs and live after them. I'll be in it with you. We can mm-hmm. do this together. Yeah. This life. Super cool. Okay, the third thing that you might do, this is uh, one of your favorite lines from uh, from Paul in all of his letters. Um, most people think, by the way, that these are some of his last letters that Paul writes. And this section that we're calling Fight a Good Fight comes from a phrase that Paul uses. And it's this. If you go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, uh, he says this to Timothy. Well, back in 6, he actually says, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Um, a way of saying he's on trial, you find out, and he's like, um, it's not looking super good for me. And I, I think this is it. I think, I'm, um, I think uh, my departure, meaning like my, my death, is at hand. And then this line, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith, is, is what he says at the end of that. When my Jack just left on his mission, um, one of the things I said to him is, I, is live and serve in a way that every night you can go to bed and put your head on your pillow after your prayers and just say, I gave it all today. Like I, I fought a good fight today. And when I made a mistake, I said sorry and I kept going. That's, a, that's part of what it looks like to fight the good fight of, of faith and um, oh, this is my this is my goal. It's my goal to end my days and my life with that verse seven to say that. It reminds me of this quote from Vince Lombardi. <laughs> he and Paul will be good friends. 
where he says this, I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is that moment when he's worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. And that victory comes from just, I kept fighting. And in this section, what we're talking about is just the way we encourage people to not give up. Just don't give up. Keep on going. And um, there's a couple things that we learned from Paul that I think help us to keep on going. And there's this list here. And the first one comes from the verses we just read, but add eight unto it. He says, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. And I think there's one thing to help to not give up is to remind people of um, of the good things that God has in store. He's like, there are hard things in mortality, but they don't last forever. And and God has a God has something ahead, something really really good ahead for for all of us, and to to keep our eye and our heart on on that. If you go down to verse eleven, he says he starts mentioning people by names, and he says only Luke is with me. And when you come, is what he's talking about. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. Uh, one thing that we can do is uh, remember the Lord says that to Joseph Smith in Liberty jail, thy friends do still stand by thee and will hail thee again with warm hearts and open hands. So part of not being able to give up is that we do this together. Right. And that's really encouraging. Can we do a little side note here? I put on this little thing on here, a footnote, make sure you see the footnote. Um, You might remember from the book of Acts that Paul and Mark get into a scuffle with each other and Paul says to Mark, you're not allowed to come with us on the mission. We don't really know <laughs> what exactly happened, but they got into a fight and they broke up with each other. And Paul and Mark wasn't allowed to come and be Paul's companion anymore. Uh, and so there was just this unresolved fight between them in the book of Acts. And I think it's so sweet that in 2 Timothy 4, you see that it was resolved. And he says, and will you bring Mark with you when you come? Um, because he is, uh, I love serving with with Mark. And that's just kind of sweet that there's that little, little, that little thing. thing that you get to see in there. Keep going down to 17 and 18. And something else that helps us not give up is to remind people that the Lord stands by us and strengthens us. Um, he says that in the prison, notwithstanding everything that was going wrong, the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me through it. Uh, that by me preaching might be full, might be fully known. And in verse 18, and the Lord did deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me until his heavenly kingdom. Which is so cute that he's in jail saying he was delivered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, you weren't. Yeah. You're stuck. Yeah. And I love that to him. He's like, no, you don't get it. Like, I actually already was delivered. Yeah. He's already saved me. He's standing by me, even in jail. That's awesome. So yeah. awesome. He's yeah. all. Um. And then that verse 22, if you keep going, is really cool because he says, and the end of the letter, the Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit and grace be with you. And just a reminder of of that. And I love that that phrase, I don't know necessarily what Paul means, but I like that he's like, that he'll be with your spirit because sometimes your circumstances might not look like he has intervened in the circumstance. And sometimes he doesn't. Mm. Um, Like if someone is battling an illness, 
Perhaps God has not intervened in their body, but he has intervened in the spirit. And maybe he hasn't intervened in the financial circumstance, but he has intervened in the, uh, from the inside out. And I just think um, that's something really powerful to remember that helps us not to give up. And then these last verses that you might know, go back one chapter to chapter three. Um, these might be familiar to you when he gives this, this kind of encouragement to not give up, but continue in the things which you've learned and that you've been assured of, knowing of whom you learned them. Don't, don't forget the things that you know. Hold on to the things that you've experienced and, and the, the faith and the belief that you have. Because he says, from a kid, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Remember, they taught you about the character of God. They taught you about the purpose of life. They taught you about some of the good and faithful people from the past and how it may have looked like they wanted to give up and it was too hard, but they endured because of that same strength and grace of God in all of them. He says, look to friends, but some of your friends could actually live in your scripture app, you know, uh, or in your in your <laughs> yellow book over here, right? Scripture that can be... <laughs> <laughs> that your friends live in there. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's something about that that you're just like God is really intent on us knowing um, that you are a part of a fellowship of believers uh, that extends uh, in, extends to the past. Well, and also. it really is true that, like, right when you said that, I was like, oh, I really do feel like I know Paul. Yeah. Like, in after all of these letters, I'm like, oh no, I actually feel like we really are friends. And, and he that, can be. Yeah, and that he actually has permission because of the life that he lived to say to someone like me, you can do this. I was just thinking that. Yeah. That I was like, actually, if someone wanted to give you this talk that like was sitting on their couch all day, you would hate it. Yeah, because what's that line he says? Continue in the things which you've learned and have been convinced of, assured of, knowing who you learned them from. Mm. Right. And he's, and, yeah. and you know, their story, like Paul could speak from the grave and say, you know, my story, I did it. I trusted in God. I was in jail multiple times. Things did not look like they were. I had the thorn in my side that he never took away, but I made it. He got me through and he can get you through too. And when he says something like that, it means something more. Right. You know, mm -hmm. which all of a sudden makes me want to think about like the whole big picture of this lesson of how do you be an encourager and it just makes me want to stop and be like oh what have i learned what can i speak of you know mm -hmm. th there's some things that i'm like you know what i can't encourage you in that area of. because i know that i'm not that person yeah. but all of a sudden i'm like oh wait but i actually went through this so let me like i like feel like i can give you a little bit more encouragement here yeah it's different coming from paul super cool you know so there's like, I'm thinking of two teaching ideas right now. One of them is what, what have I been assured of? What, you know, what, that, yeah. answering that question. Another thing that could be cool is with the scriptures to say, because he says these scriptures are given by inspiration and they're profitable for all the areas of life. He gives like a, a list in there, right? Wouldn't it be cool to like put up some different um, scenarios that you might run into in, in life? Um, and just say, like, what if you're experiencing loneliness? Who'd be a great friend from the scriptures to turn to? Oh, that would be so what if cool. You're, what, if, what if it's heartbreak? So cool. Um, what if it's uh, um, 
prison. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm not thinking of like, you know, but that would be really cool to think of like, what are some of the situations that people could deal are dealing with in life? Or do you know what could be really cool is if um, your class maybe anonymously like wrote down, here's some of the things that I'm dealing with right now. Oh, way cool. And then you passed them out to everybody so else cool. and said like, find a scripture or a scripture, a hero. person from the scriptures, hero, yeah, that like, oh, they were, they are an expert in this for you. So cool. That would be a really, really cool thing to do. So cool. And it would be so cool to end with that verse of you have fought the good fight and be like, listen, you've seen someone fight a good fight. You can do it. They did it. And just that idea that you learned that he taught that is like, it was the Lord standing by me and the same God who stood by me in the Roman prison stands by you today. Same God who opened the ocean will open yours. The same God who, who, who breathed courage into the shepherd boy, David, will breathe courage into you also. Like that would be a great testimony at the end to remember them that he is still here to stand by us. So cool. So this is, this is that section of don't give up and the encouragement that we can give to people on that. Okay, the next one is the cutest name ever. I'm biased because I love this, but dear younger me, because all of a sudden in, in the song, the song's totally going to the app. Do you know that song, Dear Younger Me? No. Oh, but should I? Yes. Let's hurry. Now yeah. I have to pause okay, yeah, and listen. After, yeah, I can't wait. This girl, it'll go in the app for the dailies. Now I can't wait. Me. I'll yeah. check on it. I'm yeah. like, I can't wait. Um, but in the letter to Titus, there's this moment that you just can't even help but just be obsessed with because it really is him having a Dear Younger Me moment, but also so many other people having a Dear Younger Me moment too. So if you go to Titus, it's in chapter two. And what's going to happen is he's going to start speaking and he's going to say, listen. Um, and it's really like he's just giving like advice. He's like, okay, the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patient. Then he's going to talk to the woman. He's like, okay, my older ladies, listen. Like, <laughs> it's so cute when he says that. The aged woman. I'm like, okay, yeah. look at all the ladies. And he says, listen, be holy, not false accusers, speak well, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And then this is the part that I just like, it melts me when all of a sudden he's going to say, listen, you guys actually are going to teach the young woman. Live a life that when young women look up to you, they're going to say, oh, I want to live like that. Mm. That's who I want to look up to. Live a life that someone could look up to you. Because he says, listen, in verse four, that they may teach the young woman to be sober to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Like all of a sudden he's like, listen, I want to give you guys advice because I want you guys to be able to change the younger generation. I want them to be able to look up to you and say, hey, actually, I'm going to live different because of you guys. And it makes me, oh yeah. And I just, it just because I just did on the Revival podcast, President Nelson's talk, and how he starts by saying I'm 100 years old. Yeah. And just that whole idea and concept of like, I'm, I'm so glad that God staggered our births and deaths on this earth. Mm. Uh, that, that we have people who are older and we have people who are younger and what we can learn from each other. But there is something that is because it's talking about it here that we ought to like just particularly say to anybody who's older, what a, what a trust and privilege has been given to you to teach those younger. 
you have the experience. Like you've lived through the tragedies. You've lived through the celebrations. You've, you've learned to hear the voice of, of God better than, than those younger know how. And it's like, open your mouth, teach, share that. I just, that's one thing that's like really cool about wards, you know, in neighborhoods that have people of different ages where it's just like, Hey, what can we learn from you? You know? Well, and especially I feel like there's this weird narrative right now that everyone wants to be like, Oh, like this generation, like the young generation has such a different life than the older generation. There's such a disconnect. There's such a miss. And I think we can live in that and we can find truths in that sentence for sure. But I also sometimes want to pause and be like, yeah, but like, actually, what if there's something they could teach us? What if there's something we need to learn? And I'm not kidding you. I think one of my biggest treasures of my entire life is a couple years ago, I just reached out to both my grandmas and I just like was like, hey, can you guys just write me a letter of like who I should be? Like, just write me a letter of who to be. And how to be that. Like, if you were going to give me a thought on that, what would it be? And one of my grandmas just, like, hand wrote it in her, like, like cutest cursive ever. That, and I, like, have it in my scriptures and it's a treasure. And my other grandma is, like, the most crafty little cute grandma in the world that she just, like, put all these pictures and she typed it all out on her computer. And I have both of the letters, it's, like, saved in my scriptures, in my Book of Mormon. Mm. And they are some of my biggest treasures of my life. Mm. And it really just makes me, like, when I read these, I just really did want to cry because I was like, oh, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity to learn from someone wiser than me. And maybe you really do want to pause and be like, you know what, who should I reach out to right now? Whether it's someone younger than you or whether it's someone older than you and just be like, what could I learn from someone that is living a different life than me Mm. right now? Who do I want to be? What advice would I give to my younger self? What do I wish they could know? Yeah. And I think we've been studying the scripture long enough to know, yes, there are some differences in the way that people are living now than, you know, 50 years ago or 2000 years ago. But then also at the same time, it's like, how are you bridging the gap so well, where there's an, I almost where you, you want to say like, oh, you're right. I don't know cell phones, <laughs> you know, but I do know heartbreak and I do know disappointment and I do know um, overcoming, like I, I, those, the situate, this particulars might be different, but I know the same human experiences and emotions, you know, and don't miss out on that wisdom. Right. And just because someone wears like a cell phone on their belt, like it's a pager or a beeper or a heart monitor, doesn't doesn't mean that they don't have like, you know, we look like, Oh, they don't know how to do, you know, how to download something from the app store. And it's like, okay, just because they can't do, you know. Yeah. Then we like disqualify that. Yeah. And instead I just want to be like, wait, what? You don't want to miss out on a chance to learn from someone like that. Yeah. And oh my gosh, please, everybody do what you did with your grandma's. You guys, it's my best treasure. You have to do that this week. It's my best treasure in my life. Yeah. Or you get the invitation to your, if you're teaching a class or something, go seek out the wisdom of, of, of somebody older. And this one is actually where our word of the week is going to fall under. And the verse comes from Titus 2, and it's verse, wait, now I just got all confused in my head. Yeah, we're in the same one. Titus chapter 2, same chapter, verse 13. And it just says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And I just love that, honestly, through all these letters, but especially right here, I feel like there really is a moment when Paul is saying, like, hey, dear younger me, this is what I wish you knew. And all of a sudden, it's this powerful, powerful, powerful verse of like, oh, wait, actually, like looking for that blessed hope, hope as a name, right? That all of a sudden, it's this expectation, it's this anticipation, this confidence, faith, a reason to believe that you can see how valuable that would have been, like almost as if Paul is whispering to his younger self, like, hey, listen, actually things get really hard and really messy, but I want you to remember that that is a blessed hope. Look for that blessed hope. And, oh, we just and to- these words are so good. Let's just say these again. In case, like What this means in Greek, anticipation, expectation, confidence, faith, a reason to believe. Like, don't you, almost like if I, when I hang on my poster that week, I want to say, what do I anticipate? What can I anticipate in my life because of Jesus? What can I expect because of him? What confidence does he give me? What reasons to believe does Jesus give me? I just, there's something really, really cool about, like, when you just said hope as a name. Yeah. Look for that blessed hope. Yeah. You know, that just, whatever, and let's go to those verses. I think they're going to show that. Um, Then if you go to the next chapter three, and you just look at verses three through eight, they are so beautiful because he's going to start out and he's going to be like, listen, And you see the pattern of like this dear younger me mentality when you read it because he starts and he says, listen, we ourselves also sometimes we were foolish, disobedient, deceived. We serving diverse, well, I don't even know how to say that word. Diverse. Diverse, thank you. Lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. He's like, listen, I was there. I have been there. I still am there. There are days that is still me. I've experienced that. And then all of a sudden, there is just this word, but, that you just want to highlight. Because all of a sudden, he says, yeah, that was us. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Yeah, we were a mess. But look what happened after. And then all of a sudden, you just go through these next three verses. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he actually saved us. I want, I want to say that to younger me, that in my mess, actually, don't worry, the mess brings Jesus. He is coming, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. There is enough. He actually gave us so much mercy, so much hope, so much love that it was abundant. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All of a sudden, Paul just wants to end and he says, hey, listen, dear younger me, there's something to hope for. Mm. And if you are living like me in verse three of chapter three, don't worry. There's something to hope for. Yeah, which makes me feel like as we're talking about things that like, okay, I can remind people and stir up their gifts. I can remind them that there's reason to believe. I can I can encourage them to not give up. And then this one that we just taught, like there is always something to hope. Of everything, of any kind of advice you could give, you know, this he seems to settle on. It's just like, hey, even if you've made, like, we all make mistakes. We all live in lust and we all live in um, disobedience sometimes. And we all do stupid stuff. But because of Jesus, there's always hope. You know, you don't, you don't, there's another don't give up again. Don't, don't, throw, you don't have to yeah. throw all this away. Your life's not over or ruined. 
or because of any of this. So beautiful. These verses are, are so, so good. We're going to end on this last letter um, by Lehman that Paul writes to a, a friend of his. And it just, just it's a one page in like the regular Bible. Which is so cute because then it really does look like a letter, you guys. That's my favorite <laughs> thing. It's all like. <laughs> you just read it. And the background of this is really important. And this is on the, the tip into this would be so fun to have in there because it just teaches, reminds you like, oh, if you know the context of what's happening in this letter, it just comes alive. And there's this man, his name is Philemon, and he is friends with Paul. And Philemon used to have somebody that worked for him, a servant whose name was Onesimus. And somehow Onesimus did Philemon dirty, uh, his employer. Like, and we don't know the details of that, but there was something that happened between them that caused it so that it would be awkward if Onesimus ever went back to Philemon. Like their relationship is over. But Onesimus, the servant, um, stumbles upon Paul somewhere in his journeys and becomes a good friend of Paul. And Paul teaches him the gospel and becomes a, uh, like a, a minister of the gospel with Paul. And somehow they must have had a conversation with each other about what happened with Philemon. And Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon and he sends him back with this letter. And as you read this letter, it's Paul to Philemon, but the delivery boy of the letter is Onesimus. And so he gives him this letter, you know, from Paul. Which you love because it's almost like a little scandalous. Yeah, You're like, oh. like, and when you start to read about what, what he says to him, this is really, really um, powerful. And um, you might want to use the, um, the worksheet in this one is a letter um, that is written out. And you can use this one right here. There might be some, you might be tempted to do something a little bit different with this one. Use this letter for your own personal study. But if I were using it in a class, I might just do a blank letter and have somebody write at the very top their own name, Dear David. And think about um, somebody who's wronged you. And then... Um, write down some of the phrases that are on there. Because look at what some of the things that he, that some of the highlights from this one are. Verse nine, um, he says to him, um, for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. I beg you for love's sake. Um, as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech you, verse 10, for my son Onesimus. I'm writing to you and asking you and as a, as a, as your friend, as a prisoner, <laughs> um, to do something for me, for Onesimus, my son. And he's getting so personal here with calling him his son, because there's something about that, like, where it's just like, if you do something for my, for my kid, like that means a lot to me. Like I, I take it really, really personally, the way you treat my own kids. And I'm asking you, not to take care of like a, you know, a neighbor of mine. I'm asking you to take care of my kid is what I'm asking you to do. He says, which in time past, verse 11, was to you unprofitable. <laughs> I understand. There was hurt. There was scandal. There was something that happened. Um, and, but I'm sending him again, verse 12. And I want you to receive him as if you're receiving my own. It says bowels. That means my heart. As if you're receiving my own heart. And he says, 
And I don't want you to receive him, verse 16, as a servant, but above a servant, as a brother beloved. Don't just take him back and forgive him and give him his job back. I want you to invite him to Thanksgiving dinner. I want you to see him as a brother beloved. I don't want you to just say the slate is clean. I want you to elevate your relationship with him. Could you imagine what a request this is to, I mean, to Philemon, to Philemon, to say like he wronged him somehow. And he's just like, there's, it's one thing to say, will you let it go? It's another thing to say, will you let it go and put him on your short Christmas list? And don't you wonder if, how do you say his name? Onesimus? Onesimus, Onesimus? yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't you wonder, like, did he know what the letter said? Because there's, like, part of me that is, like, wait a minute. Not only did he have to take the letter, but did he know what it said? Because I would die. Like, I would be, like, you're kidding. I can't even, I can't even carry this letter. Right. And then you just love it even more. Right. Like, oh. Now look at it. keeps going. He says, but. How much more unto you? That phrase. He's like, like, and it gets repeated in a second. Look at 17. And receive him as if I were coming there. Like, I want you to, like, bring him into your house as if it were me. And if he wronged you, in verse 18, or owes you anything, put it on my account. Like, put it on my tab. Because on 19, I will repay it. With my own hand is what, as a personal favor, I'm asking you this. Yea, brother, let me have joy in you. Refresh my heart in the way that you treat him. Thrill me when I hear back from him what what happens. Like, I, will you look at look at me? Look at me. I'm in jail right now. I've kind of lost a little bit of hope in humanity. Will you refresh my heart? And help me believe again in the goodness of people. I remember uh, lots of years ago when Jenny and I moved into our first house, we saved money aside to put uh, our grass and sprinklers and everything in our backyard. And the guy that we were kind of dumb and the guy that we hired um, stole the money and took off of it. And we didn't have the money to finish it. You know, and we had all these little kids that wanted to play in the backyard and, and stuff like that. And, um, and it actually like made me lose hope in humanity. Like I was like, I can't trust people anymore. Like I don't want to trust people anymore. Like it didn't just like make, it wasn't just like terrible for us, but it also was like, it colored the way I saw everybody else anymore. And then I was, um, in the hospital actually, <laughs> of course. you know, when, uh, right after and, and I got a message when I was in there that, um, from Jenny that um, my siblings and my aunt and uncle and parents and all came and chipped in and um, poured a patio and finished the grass like late in the night while Jenny was asleep so that it would be done when she woke up in the morning. And it just, like that phrase, it refreshed my heart in the Lord. Like I, I, like I believed more in him because of that gift. And I believed in people again, you know, because of that. And I read that and I think about that a lot. And he says in 21, I have confidence that you're going to do what I said, but this is awesome. End of 21, that you'll do more than I say. And uh, and then there's that cute line in 22 where he's like, 
will you prepare a house for me, a little room? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get out because you pray. <laughs> so sweet. And but you're like, like, don't you have that one person that you're like, oh, if they're praying, it's going to work. It's going to work, yeah. right? But look at this. What if someone, that man who stole all my money, <laughs> what if I got a letter and it said on it, Dear David, for love's sake, I beg you, will you treat him like he's my son? And will you receive him as a brother beloved? Don't just forgive him. And will you do much more for him? Will you act as if it's me? And if he's wronged you, will you put it on my account and trust that I'll repay you? Will you treat him in a way that refreshes my heart and do more than even what I say? And then what if the name at the very bottom of that letter was Jesus? And in this letter... Maybe more than any other spot in this latter part of the New Testament, like Paul acts as a type and a shadow of Jesus. And he says, I'm asking you to forgive them. I'm asking you to treat them differently. I'm personally asking you to, to take them back. And I'm telling you, anything that you do to take care of them, I'll repay you. If they wronged you, put it on me. I'm, I'm going to take care of it. And it's just such a sweet way of teaching um, the life of, of Jesus and, and bringing him into forgiveness and, and reconciliation. So this one has Jesus at the bottom, the letter that you can print out, the worksheet. But I think it'd be cool if you did a blank one and so you save, you know, for the end of the teaching. Like now sign the name, Jesus. You know, go through and study maybe the letter together and just... But this would be great if you're standing on your own to write this to yourself and say, who is he talking about to you? Who is he personally requesting that you, obviously, understanding there's boundaries with relationships and there's, you know, all those kind of things, all those things considered. Um, I think there's something sweet about this type of Jesus and Paul, the suffering prisoner, the suffering servant um, asking you, you know, can you, can you please? Someone well, and just barely in my head, I just thought how cool it would be also to just think, and I've never thought of it this before, but all of a sudden, if actually, like, the letter at the top was like, dear God, and it was still from Jesus, but maybe you were the one carrying the letter. Oh, you were Onesimus. That one day, like, Jesus actually is going to have you deliver this letter, and that's what he's going to say about you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, don't you want to cry? No, do it again. Do yes, it all again. I know, because then all of a sudden... I actually now want you to teach it like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because then isn't it so cute for Jesus to say, hey, actually, I'm talking about you, Grace. And for love's sake, I beg of you, this is actually... It says your name at the top. Yeah, I know. So that's, <laughs> that's why you that's can figure it out. Yeah. The grace to you. <laughs> you know? And then it's so cute that he's like, actually, like, I'm going to speak... Jesus is going to talk about me like this. Mm. Like, oh, receive her. That's my that's my girl. Yeah. You know? Treat her as you would myself. On my account, I will actually pay for everything that she did. Yeah. And don't just clean her account. Also, um, whoa. <laughs> uh, don't just don't just wipe the slate clean, but do more for her. Mm-hmm. Take her as a to the table. Take her into the house. Give her the room. Give her the best room in the house. You know, and one day that could be the letter we deliver because yeah. Jesus is going to say the same thing. For us. Oh my goodness gracious, it's so awesome! Oh, you guys, this stuff is so sweet and so good.
hopefully this week, um, and I think this is the key, we remember that we are Onesimus, you know, in the story. Um, when we've experienced his encouragement, we've experienced his hope, we've experienced him calling out to us not to give up, then all of a sudden we're able to do it more authentically and, and more abundantly to, to other people as well. So, all right, we'll see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.